the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Most churches today work toward integration. Diversity is something to be achieved, to be strived for. But at Chilo Church of Oakland, with its roots in Oakland at the height of the Vietnam War, political protest, and just as the Civil Rights Act was being passed, well, Shiloh was actually born in diversity. Started by a Canadian by the name of Dr. Violet Kitely in the home of an African-American family in Oakland, here, 57 years later, the church continues to be a beacon of hope, love, and diversity in the greater Oakland area and all of the San Francisco Bay Area with global outreach around the world. Joining me today is ministry pastor at Shiloh Church of Oakland, Pastor Melinda Ramos. And Pastor, great to have you with us today. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be on the program today. What an amazing legacy. 57 years of ministry here in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. And as I indicated in my opening remarks, uh, born at a time when not only was the Bay Area going through turmoil, but the entire nation was struggling through turmoil on, on the back end of, of political assassinations, strife related to the Vietnam War, just kind of this, this cauldron of controversy, so to speak. And yet at that time, your great-grandmother chose to come to the San Francisco Bay Area and plant a church here. What an amazing legacy. Yes, my grandmother, Dr. Violet Kitely, came with my father from Canada and they were already he was she was already pastoring up there. But she came down, just had planned to start a Bible study. But right away, everyone said, no, we want you to start a church. And it started, as you said, right in the home of an African-American family, right during the civil rights movement. How incredible. So. While some people, like you said, we're just talking about bringing people together, it has happened at Shiloh. We call it the Shiloh miracle because over 50 nations still come together. 57 years later, we have 26 African nations alone represented in Shiloh and people of all ages, zero to 100, all ethnicities, all backgrounds come together and worship Jesus. It's amazing to see what Shiloh has been, such a forerunner, such a trailblazer in so many areas, in racial reconciliation, in unity, in praise and worship, in missions, in evangelism, and really a move of God. And so we are thankful for what God has done over the last 57 years. We just celebrated our anniversary, and we know that we have such an amazing legacy of serving God but God's not done with us yet. My grandmother also, you'd love to say that the latter rain is going to be even greater than the former, that God's going to pour out his spirit in an amazing way in this generation as well. You've had the privilege of being witness to a lot of these events and the phenomenal impact the church has had down through these decades. And I'm curious, as you look back at initially the work of your grandmother, 
uh, Dr. Violet Kiteley, and of course your your father, David. What do you think has been the the secret sauce? What's been the unique thing that has made Shiloh such a place for people to come together and to feel comfortable with one another and to set aside their differences? Because as I indicate, for a lot of churches in America today, this is this is a struggle, and and yet it it seemingly hasn't been for Shiloh. I wonder why you think that is. Well, my grandmother from an early age, age 15, felt a stream call to ministry. And when she got married, her husband and her were planning on going to Africa as missions. So right away, there was just a real call to the nation. She had a desire to be a missionary. And unfortunately, he passed away in a plane crash during World War II while she was pregnant with my father. But that didn't stop her. She was actually paralyzed for several, like over a year, like a year and a half after she gave birth. And she still didn't give up. She still kept believing. And then she participated in a revival movement in Canada. And after that, it just ignited a fire in her to really go to the nations. And she passed it on to my dad. And so when they came down here... It wasn't it was a no brainer. It was like we have a love for all people. God has called us to reach out. And so they it just flowed and people were drawn to her. She had such a compassion. I think going what she did through being a widow, such a young person, she had a love and a compassion that was, you know, just so in everything she did. She loved people. She reached out and she always had time for people. And that was the amazing thing. Um, Nobody you know, there was nobody that she didn't reach out to that she saw in need. So that that sense of of global missions and of of sensitivity towards reaching all nations for Christ is is really, in a sense, in the DNA of Shiloh. And of course, that's borne out if folks in the Bay Area attend church on any given Sunday there um, at your uh, campus address at 3295 School Street in Oakland, you'll see that the makeup of the congregation looks like the world. And I think it's interesting because when you speak about global outreach, what better place to do it than such a uniquely diverse place as the San Francisco Bay Area, where literally, if you want to reach the world for Christ, you just need to step out your front door. That's the amazing thing. We can have missions right in in our local area, but also go to the nations. And so Shiloh has had a heart for both local missions and foreign missions. And within two years of the church starting, they had already sent their first missionary to Hong Kong. And that was Pastor Dennis Balcom. And from his ministry, 15 million Chinese people were reached in the underground church movement. And so Shiloh has been a part of that for many years. Within three, four years of Shiloh starting, they had sent missionaries to Japan, and it continued on sending mission missionaries out, and that's a heritage that Shiloh continues on today. So that sense of uh, global outreach then in terms of what Shiloh is currently doing, in addition to obviously the work here in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're continuing to support works literally across the globe then? That's right. In fact, our team just returned from Ethiopia. We 
founded a Bible college there 28 years ago, and it's doing so well. And it, it is sending missionaries out. They actually now have extended into South Africa and into the Middle East. And it's been operating for 28 years. They have 4,000 students. And we went as we went there, it was amazing because they had unified many denominations together to reach Ethiopia. And now they said there's all over the country, there's people that have gone out and planted churches. There's teachers. There's people running orphanages. There's people doing missions all over the nation and beyond as a result of the equipping and training that they've received in the Bible College. And so we have we have missionaries in many different countries, many different continents, and have a hard to see the nations impacted. We believe that's the inheritance, really. So that's what the Word of God says, that He's given us the nations as our inheritance. And so we have a mandate to go. Now, some people are called to go abroad, but we're all called to be missionaries wherever God has planted us. So if we've been planted in the Bay Area, then we need to see the need around us. Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the people. And we need to be moved with compassion in the same way to go out and be missionaries in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our schools, and constantly find tangible ways to show the love of Christ. Now, it can't just be only getting up and preaching. It also has to be in ways that people can experience. So in Ethiopia, we also work with water wells, and we make sure that people are trained on how to have fresh water and build wells. We also work with supporting an orphanage. So finding ways to reach people, but not just abroad, but right here in our community as well. So there's really that sense of Judea, Samaria, Judea, of course, being Oakland, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And and I'm fascinated by you mentioning some of the other related sort of companion ministries of Shiloh, like fresh water, which some people might look at and say, well, Gee, is that really you know diluting the gospel? Shouldn't you strictly be concentrating on preaching? We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back. Our conversation today is with Pastor Melinda Ramos, ministry pastor at Shiloh Church of Oakland. Pastor Ramos, I'd like to pick up our conversation where we left off a moment ago. You know, I find it interesting to note as we look at the the ministry of Christ on earth, that almost without exception, every time it's recorded in the Gospels of Christ traveling to a city and gathering and and sharing the good news and, and, and the message that he had come to share of salvation that he would ultimately provide us through his death, burial, and resurrection, that he was also very careful to address the felt needs, whether it was feeding 5,000, giving sight to the blind, healing the lame. There was always that sense of, of the, the companion compassion with the gospel. Do you think that's important today to be effective as we proclaim the love of Christ? Absolutely. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus. When you think about it, it says, when when he were hungry, you fed me. You know, when I was naked, you clothed me. And so we have to reach people on all levels, reach them in a practical way. And when you reach them in a practical way, it opens the door to the spiritual. I know in the water um, ministry that we've partnered with, after they bring the natural water, there's an opportunity to bring the spiritual water as well, because people, when 
when you've reached their natural needs, it opens a door. And we've seen that in the community at Shiloh. Since its beginnings, we've been a church without four walls. We've gone out into the community. We've done block parties. We've done after school programs. We've done sidewalk Sunday school. And one of the chief ways that we continue to reach our community is through our Mercy House, and that's located right across the street from Shiloh, and it's been operating for over 35 years, and it's a way that we can provide food to our community. But during the pandemic, the Lord really expanded that ministry beyond what we could even imagine. We have this little corner store and Alameda County Food Bank came along and partnered with us to fully renovate the building and make it into a free grocery store where people can come in and shop with dignity dignity. They can pick out their own groceries and feel like they can come in and be honored and recognized. And then on Wednesdays, we have a huge, um, you know, farmer's market where they walk through our parking lot and they get to pick out fresh produce and meats and milk and vegetables and all of these things that they can be blessed by in our community. And it's such a great way that we can reach out and then it gives us an opportunity to love on them, to pray for them. And and we have, since the pandemic began, each year exceeded over one million pounds of food each year. And so the opportunities are really endless. And through that, we're able to also have other events where we bless our community. Like we recently in August, we gave out backpacks and school supplies to kids that are returning to school. At Thanksgiving, we're gonna we every year we give out food. At Christmas, we give out thousands of baskets of food, toys, clothing, and these are opportunities to show the love of Christ. And even on, even at Halloween time, oh, we have something called the Harvest Festival instead, and it's going to be this year on October 29th. It's free, and they can come in and enjoy a petting zoo and bouncers and fun activities, all so that we have the opportunity to just love on and bless Oakland and bless the Bay Area because that's got where God, what God has called us to do, where There's, He's planted us. That's where we're supposed to reach out. There's that passage of Scripture: "Hang up a shingle, and they shall come." No, no, no. That's not actually in the Bible. <laughs> Although I think there are some in the church today that think it ought to be like that. If you just build a building and put up a nice reader board. People will just naturally show up. But actually, Scripture says to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. And I think, Pastor Melinda, what you're really talking about here is taking active steps in a compelling fashion to address felt needs of the community right where you're living and growing and planted and allowing the Lord to use that as a means of reaching people teaching people, demonstrating Christ's love, and, and really giving a sense of, of, of active feet, so to speak, to, to one's faith, which I guess at the end, from a scriptural perspective, is really what we're all supposed to be about, both as the, as the church, as an organism, as well as the church as individuals. Is that, do you think that's correct? Absolutely. And when it said in Acts 1-8 that we were going to receive power through the Holy Spirit, it said so we could be witnesses that that's what he's called us to do wherever he's planted us that's where we're supposed to show god's love and reach out as you said go into the highways and byways not wait for them to come in 
not wait, but get out there and tangibly meet needs, tangibly sow the love of Christ. And that's going to open doors up for us to reach people. Why do you think there's in some corners with some people the sense of hesitation about all of this? I mean, I, I get the notion, and again, this is not meant to be necessarily a blanket accusation, but I get the notion with some that there's a feeling that, well, Craig, Pastor Melinda, if I put my, my, my lamp up on top of the stand, the wind could come and maybe blow it out, and I'm afraid, afraid of that, so I want to keep it down, keep it hidden, keep it low. I'll let it burn, but I don't want to let it too, burn too brightly for fear a big, strong wind may come along and blow it out. And yet, Scripture tells us just the opposite, to light our lamp and set it high so that it might give light to all. And I wonder, why do you think it is that some hesitate today in doing that, that it's almost the sense that, well, my faith is a very personal thing. I, I, I don't want to invade somebody else's territory or make them feel uncomfortable by openly discussing my faith. What, what, what do you think is problematic with that? Well, it kind of reminds me of that song we used to sing in Sunday school when we were little, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. God has called us to shine, to be a city on a hill. But it can be hard for people. And I think comfortability is one of the main reasons. It can be uncomfortable to shine because you'd rather just blend in and not, you know, ruffle any feathers. But God's called us to have that boldness. And that's where we have to rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit um, in situations, I mean, when I think about going to Ethiopia, I remember the first time I went, they sent me to a church where it was very conservative. They weren't used to having women speakers. In fact, the women's heads were covered and it was very, you know, they were all sitting on one side and they said, well, you're you're going to get up and speak. And I had to really trust the Holy Spirit. It was super uncomfortable. And so that's where we have to draw strength from him and say, that, you know, this is what God's called us to do. We're not here just to take a take a place on earth and, you know, and count the days. So we're, God says we're to number our days and make them count and use them for the glory of God, that that is why we are here. We are called, we are on assignment to reach the people that God's put in our path. And so it is uncomfortable at times. And that's where we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us to have the strength to do it. Is it a sign of, of a sense of maybe weakness in our faith, a, a lack of belief, uh, maybe to a degree also um, biblical ignorance? And I don't mean that in a negative way necessarily or accusatory fashion, but I, but I wonder if some of those are perhaps contributory to the sense that some have that there's just that fear. I mean, Christ talked about the fact that we would be despised for his name's sake, and yet sometimes it feels as if we're more concerned about being rejected ourselves when it comes to sharing our faith and putting it in perspective and understanding that, yes, there will be times that Christ will be rejected, and we rejected because we represent him. And I wonder if that sense of fear of stepping out, the fear of being bold, the fear maybe of being rejected of ourselves is a sign of, of, of an inconsistent faith that not is not necessarily firmly rooted in the word. Do you think that's true? Well, you know, I think that it is challenging for some people and that's where, you know, they have to ask the Lord for their, for their faith to be, you know, brought forth and be strengthened. I think about going to the mission field. We encourage every member. We're like, Get out and do something, whether it's local or even foreign missions. For us, 
going and seeing the sacrifices they make that we've gone into some countries where they're persecuted, where they really suffer for their faith. It does put in perspective. So sometimes we need a perspective adjustment to know that God's really blessed us in the United States to be able to have those freedoms. And so when we have fear or intimidation, we need to know, you know, really be founded in that scripture. It says, do not be ashamed of the gospel, that we would have that boldness to share um, even when we are afraid or intimidated. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. If you're just joining us, we're visiting today with Pastor Melinda Ramos, ministry pastor at Shiloh Church of Oakland. Pastor Ramos, let's pick up our conversation where we left off just prior to the break. That sense of taking an overseas mission trip and discovering not only different cultures, but the challenges that they face. And, and you're, you're, you're very correct in pointing out that we are enormously blessed here in the United States, even though there are times when we feel as if there's a sense of persecution. Listeners can't see it, but I'm doing my air quotes here. <laughs> that we, we think we're being persecuted in the United States, and yet there are, as we speak, countries today where simply possessing a Bible can mean long-term jail, multi-generational prison time. In other words, a country like North Korea. If you're caught with a Bible in your possession, it's guaranteed minimum three years in a re-education camp, but not just for you, but also for your children and your parents. Now, that's true persecution. And I wonder if that perspective of understanding how others have to deal with what it means to be a believer for whom their literal lives are on the line is that kind of life-changing perspective that emboldens Christians who come from the United States, travel overseas, not only look at the challenges that other believers are facing, but also see the amazing ways in which in spite of institutional persecution, religious persecution, even government persecution, that the gospel is impacting lives in unbelievable fashions. I think of one of the most closed countries on the planet, communist China. And yet we see one of the highest percentages of people naming Jesus as Lord and Savior, coming to faith in Christ every single day. Some estimates are 10,000 a day dedicate and surrender their lives to Christ in China today. And I ask you to just wonder from your own perspective, having traveled overseas, having witnessed for many years the work and ministry, the long reach, so to speak, of Shiloh into so many other countries, how big of a difference is engagement in missions make in the life of individual believers? Well, I think about my own experience. I was blessed at the age of 13 to go into China for the first time. Now, at that point, they had a program called Donkeys for Jesus, because in order to transport Bibles, you had to wrap them in your clothes and you had to smuggle them in. And I remember crossing the border and they were inspecting our stuff and being really frightened that they were going to find my Bibles because I had literally wrapped them in everything. They didn't, but there was times that they did. Um, and then going in and it left a lasting impression because the church that we visited that time, the pastor had just spent 20 years in jail for sharing the gospel. While he was in prison, 
His wife had passed away, but that didn't stop him. As soon as he got out of prison, he went directly back into ministry and was preaching the gospel again. And so the times that we've gone, even as adults, we've talked to pastors who've just been arrested, who have their shoulders dislocated, and they're like, come and pray for us. And we're like, no, we we need you to pray for us. We don't have in America. We're like a sleeping giant. We need you to pray that we would wake up. And so going and seeing the kind of faith and even just going to Ethiopia and hearing of, you know, pastors that have been arrested, even regions in there, just hearing what they've gone through is a wake up call. And so it bring when we come back, we come back with a new appreciation and we come back with, you know, less taking for granted what we have here and more of a fervor for the gospel because we see that, you know, these nations in Africa and even in Asia and South America, they're being on fire for God, where we're seeing a de-evangelization of America and Europe. And we need them now to send missionaries to us because we need that fire once again. We get complacent with all that we have and with our materialism, and we need that wake-up call again to say, Wow, we need you, Lord. We need you to move in our nation and touch lives. We there, need that. There's perhaps nothing more humbling than to hear from a Vietnamese Christian or a Chinese Christian or an African Christian who's in a country where there's extreme impact of things like Islam. I'm thinking countries like Nigeria, for example, and to hear believers over there say that they are praying for us in America, that they are praying for the church in Europe, that they themselves recognize that there's been sort of a slippage, so to speak, from what heretofore had been the greatest mission-sending country in the world, probably historically none could even come close percentage-wise to what the United States has done over the course of the last 150 or so years, and yet to see now this slow paradigm shift to which you just referred to that is less and less about biblical Christianity shifting into sort of casual Christianity. Oh, of course, I'm a believer. I, I, my house is next door to a church. They think there's there's nothing more to it than that. It's not true relational Christianity as we would understand it from a biblical perspective. And I'm, I'm wondering toward that end, you, you mentioned, Pastor Melinda, about awaking that sleeping giant. What, from your perspective, is the is the key to that? For those eavesdropping on our conversation today that say, wow, Shiloh sounds like a happening place. God's been doing a lot of stuff locally and globally. I sure wish my church were that, or I sure wish I could be bold that way. What do you think is it going to take to, to waken this sleeping giant? And, 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 and let me put a footnote in. We have been so distracted getting pulled into the vortex of politics in recent years, and it seems as if uh, we, we almost have a hunger for division. We try to find the things that not unite us, but rather divide us and then feed on all of that. And I've got to believe that the enemy is stoking those flames of division, whether it be within the body politic in America or even in aspects of the church in America today. How do we address that? How do we, in your opinion, awaken that sleeping giant called the Church of America? Well, you're right. There are so many challenges and distractions. It's interesting because social media has been an amazing tool. I almost think of it like 
you know, the Roman road of today where the gospel can go into every nation. We've been to regions that don't even have power and yet they have solar power and cell towers and they can still have a phone and the gospel can go out. So it's a blessing, but it also can be a curse. There's so many things to distract us, so many things pulling on us in our busyness the busyness of life and then all of these outside things. And it's really time to focus on Jesus. We need a refocus that he becomes the center of our life, that we truly do love him with our, our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so one of the things we've done at Shiloh is we started a prayer perimeter. It's hard with the traffic to get to prayer meetings, but now we have it online. So people can call in 14 hours a day, pray together And even if they're going through depression, they're going through hard times, they can be listening in and receive that strength and that um, encouragement throughout the day. And so I think it's really unplugging. There's an unplugging from the world and and a, you know, focus on Jesus that needs to happen because of the busyness, because of the materialism, because of the emphasis on politics. So many things are pulling and distracting us We need him to be the center of our lives once again. Do you think human connectivity is also important? And I pose that question, uh, Pastor Melinda, because we've seen a lot of churches go through challenges post-COVID, where so many people, when we were in lockdown, our orders stayed home. Now, granted, maybe they were participating in services, you know, online through uh, uh, various means. But now that we've seen an opening up again, some are hesitant to physically gather again. Some out of fear, I believe a good percentage just out of spiritual laziness. Speak to that and the importance of the body of Christ coming together, learning together, that sense of studying in the word, iron sharpening iron, and what it means for the church's community to be engaged in impacting those around us. Again, that outreach to to, uh, Judea, so to speak, much as what Shiloh has been so uniquely blessed with through all these years. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's so important that we come and assemble together. It says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Like the heathen, like the pagan is what it actually says. So we need each other. We're stronger together. We're better together. When you look at Ecclesiastes about when one falls down, the other can pull the other one up. So we need each other in a great way. That being said, as I mentioned earlier, Online ministry is also the way now to reach people to through every corner of the earth. And so I believe it's not a, a one or the other now. I believe it's both. We need to have ministry that's online, but we also need to have ministry in person. So, so throughout the pandemic, we were forced to go online. So all of a sudden, our Bible college classes were online. Our life, our small groups and life groups, our ministry for kids and youth our ministry for senior adults, all of it. But when we came back, it wasn't one or the other. It was both. And now we have a hybrid ministry. So we're reaching those who may not feel comfortable coming out of their house and are not quite ready yet. Every week, though, we have people coming back saying, oh, it's my first week back. And that's one of the reasons that we're reopening another one of our service times because we are now seeing people return. But it has been a slow process. In the meantime, let's connect with people whatever way they're comfortable. Let's have opportunities online. Let's have opportunities on person. And I feel that's 
one of the reasons the Lord even allowed some of this to happen is that our reach was limited. If you ever saw the movie, Ralph Brooks breaks the Internet. I feel like during the pandemic, the church almost broke the Internet. Every single scroll you looked at, there was church services. There was online devotionals. There was people posting music. And now all of a sudden you see so much Christian content out there. And so I believe that was a good result. There was hard results and that you see God work things out for his good and his glory. And we're seeing people reached through all corners of the earth. We've seen people on our on our streams. They'll be getting on from Venezuela. They'll be getting on from the Philippines. They'll be getting on in Europe and in Asia and all around the world. So this, the reach has been extended. Isn't that amazing? And and so really then the perspective becomes not an either or, as some of us just, it is really a both and. And it allows then to kind of have the best of both worlds in terms of still impacting, gathering together in person locally, but then seeing the expansion, the reach of that globally by being able to have people literally sitting in a foreign country thousands of miles away, participating at the same time in the same service, all in communion with a group of believers. And I I love that. I think that's fantastic. We'll take a brief time out, come back to more of our conversation right after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back. Our conversation today is with Pastor Melinda Ramos, ministry pastor at Shiloh Church of Oakland. Pastor Ramos, let's pick up our conversation where we left off just prior to the break. You mentioned about expanding service times, and maybe, uh, Pastor Melinda, you can take a couple of moments, walk us through all that's available through the ministry of Shiloh. Again, you're going to be expanding to uh, two English language services, uh, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and again at 11.30 a.m. Uh, you'll also continue with your Spanish service. That'll be at 1.30 p.m. But give us kind of a look, if you would, in terms of, of opportunities for, for outreach and ministry for people here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Kind of a, a, a thumbnail sketch of the breadth and depth of what life is like at Shiloh. Well, we feel we're called to reach the littlest one all the way up to our oldest senior saints. And so we have ministry for children. We have kids ministry. We have nursery provided. And then on Wednesday nights, our family night. So if you come on a Wednesday night, there's going to be classes and groups for youth and young adults and in Spanish for marriage, men and women. And then we also have a ministry called Oil of Joy for those 55 and up. And they are an active group. They are even going on a cruise this coming year together, but they do all kinds of fun activities and get together and really stay connected. And they pour into each other as well. They're constantly checking in on them and making sure that they're ministered. We also have something called Shiloh Pathways College. And so that's a Bible college where people can be equipped and established in the word of God. We have small groups where people can meet in homes or different locations, cafes to connect and fellowship throughout the week because we believe there we are better together. And as you mentioned, we also have a Spanish ministry. And so Oakland and the Bay Area has a lot of Spanish speaking people. My husband himself is bilingual and um, speaks Spanish fluently. 
And so we have a ministry on Sundays, as you mentioned, 1.30 p.m. is our Spanish service. And we also have classes throughout the week, Bible classes, life groups in the Spanish language so that they can be connected as well. Very broad and deep offering available for just about anybody of any age group, of any interest. And again, information available about Shiloh's ministry at ShilohOnline.com. That's ShilohOnline.com. They meet as they have for many, many years at 3295 School Street in Oakland. And if you'd like to call to get more information, you can reach the church at area code 510-261-2052. That's 510-261-2052. Pastor Melinda, before we go, maybe a word about the state of Oakland today. It seems as if every day we read another story about another shooting somewhere in Oakland. It seems to be a magnet for turmoil. Bay Area natives understand that a lot of this gets imported into Oakland. It's not necessarily Oakland people all the time, but folks from coming from out the side and being rabble rousers. How can we be praying for the city of Oakland during this time of of unrest and and turmoil? Yes, um, God has given us such a love for our city. And, you know, it's all about blooming where you're planted and really having that heart, no matter what's going on in your city. And there's been challenges lately. It's been a difficult season, and yet God has called us to pray. And so that, as I said before, we have that prayer perimeter. That's a time where we pray for our city. But we also need to be actively involved in our city and find ways to serve the city, whether it's getting out and cleaning up trash, whether it's going and helping people in need, whether it's serving at the food ministry to reach out to people. But yes, we are believing for a move of God in Oakland. We're believing that God's going to touch hearts, change lives, And we're praying against the spirit of violence that has arose in our city and believing that God is going to bring change. And it starts with us. We can't be like the elder brother, you know, looking down on people. But we need to pray for a harvest in our city. God's called us to pray for the people to come in. And I would say that right at this time, the harvest is looking um, different than it has before. We've been praying for prodigals. We've been praying for new converts. And we can stand in the in the seat of an elder brother and stand in judgment and look at them. But you can't clean the fish before you catch them. So first, bring them in. And as they come into the door, love on them. Don't condemn them. Just pray for them. Pour into them. And it's amazing to see People come in and receive such a transformative power of Christ in their lives. And it's it's a gradual process, but it's a process that you begin to see in them as we love on them, as we don't give up on them, as we speak words of life and encouragement and be like the father. The father had a heart of love. And when he saw the prodigal come in, he opened his arms, he received them. He has the heart to go after that one. And so he's calling us to love like the Father loves. He's calling us to reach out. He's calling us to be people of prayer. And he's calling us to love the city he's placed us in. A lot of people are leaving and saying, oh, you know, I want to go to be with all the Christians in, you know, this region or whatever. But there, if we all leave, then that's where the light goes out. So we need to, there's some of us that are called to stay here and shine. And we need to to shine brightly because the darkness is getting greater. 
But when there's the greatest darkness, that's when the light can shine the most brightly. He's called us to be a city on a hill. That is such an important note to end on as people look at violence on the streets of Oakland, homelessness, things of this nature. All of it has its roots in spiritual issues and spiritual problems. It's all indicative of individuals that are in need of a savior. And if you look at your own community or Oakland or the United States, whatever you might be examining and think to yourself, it appears as if the darkness is overwhelming. What's the one thing that's the cure for darkness? When you walk into the house, maybe you've been out for the evening. Maybe you and your spouse went out from dinner. You come home, you put the key in the front door and you say, gee, it's awfully dark in here. What's the solution to that? You turn on the light. The light dispels the darkness. So maybe today in a community like Oakland, it's not so much a question of having an overwhelming amount of darkness is that there is a lack of light. And all of us should play our role, do our part to let our light shine so before men that the world might know. And Shiloh certainly has been doing that for 57 years. And uh, we just miss you, wish you and uh, uh, your your husband um, so much continued success for both you and Pastor Javier and what God is doing in and through the work of this incredible ministry and the, the seeds that were planted by your grandmother and your dad so many years ago here in Oakland. And uh, we're glad that Shiloh Milo is there to be that beacon shining to spread the light of Christ all across the city of Oakland and literally across the globe. So, Pastor Melinda Ramos, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. God bless you. I want to remind our listeners, if you're new to the San Francisco Bay Area and looking for a church home, as you've heard, there's a pretty dynamic range of ministry opportunities available for you at Shiloh. To get more information, simply go online to shilohonline.com. That's shilohonline.com. Don't forget service times on Sundays at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. in English, and then the Spanish service afternoons on Sunday at 1.30 p.m. The church is located at 3295 School Street in Oakland. Again, details online at shilohonline.com, or you can call the church directly at area code 510-261-2052. Our thanks once again to Melinda Ramos, ministry pastor at Shiloh Church of Oakland, for being with us. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.